0: Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. Fantastic. We're going to get straight into the Word of God today. And I said last week that we were going to start a new series today. And so before I tell you the name of that series, I want to just read two scriptures to you. The first one is found in Proverbs chapter 11. Is anybody here for the first time? If you are, just raise your hand up. Don't worry, I'm not going to call you forward. Can we give these guys a round of applause? Welcome to all of you. We hope you have a great time. If you don't, just say you went to the church up the road, not this... New to North starts after this service, and last week, last month, John and Phoebe all led New to North, and um, they were saying, so many new people joining our church, and so many great conversations, and it's a real joy, a real blessing as a pastor, as you can imagine, to have new people joining the church consistently. And so this month, maybe you didn't do it last month, or maybe you're new, or you're new today, or you've been new the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to do New to North. It's only half an hour after this service, but it kind of just... Helps you not just attend something, but belong to something. A church is not something that we go to. A church is a family that we belong to. And so we want you to belong, not just attend. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 25. I'm going to read it first in the NIV, and then we're going to read it in the message. It says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly. But comes to poverty. For a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The message version puts it like this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. For the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I love these scriptures. And I want to speak to you today on a new series that I'm going to speak today. And maybe in a couple of weeks time, depending upon how much we get through today. The series is going to be called this. The world of the generous. The world of the generous. Not huge rupturous applause when I said that. If I said the world of faith, you'd be like, Whoa. The world of breakthrough. The world of breakthrough. The world of transformation, bring it on. The world of forgiveness, bring it on. The world of generous. Here's why you didn't respond in the first place. Because alarm bells are going off in some of your heads now. Thinking, oh no. We've had great worship. We should have just brought service to an end then. It would have been like, Good, because whenever you hear a pastor read these verses, maybe you're triggered. (laughs) Giving must be down. Therefore, we're doing a new series on generosity. I've seen it all before. Actually, our giving is up. So that's not the reason. No, we're not going to receive an offering at the end of this service. We've just done that before I've spoken. It's going to be the introduction, some of you are thinking, oh no, to a special offering that we all need to like dig deep. Nope. <laughs> I'm just giving you a few disclaimers before the alarm bells which are going off in your head. Calm down, relax. Because I want to talk to you about the why behind the what when it comes to generosity. Because whenever we feel squeezed in a crisis or squeezed in what we are experiencing now, which you would term a cost of living crisis, or a time of austerity, or a time maybe of economic uncertainty, the natural human reaction is to squeeze what you have and to hold tightly to what you have. Do you agree? That is just a natural human reaction. As times get tougher or as you perceive times to get tougher, you hold on to what you have. But the Bible and the godly reaction in those times is not to hold on to what you have, but it is actually to open your hands, not close your hands. As Christians, I believe God calls us to live open-handed, not close-handed. I believe he calls us to live open-hearted, not closed-hearted. There is something about the openness of God and his love for all humanity and his incredible grace and his abundant mercy, which is always open and always free rather than a closed end. And if we are to be the church, then one of the distinct characteristics of the early church which I was reading this a couple of weeks ago of of a New Testament scholar who believes one of the most distinct characteristics of the early church in the book of Acts is how different they were to everybody else. How different they were, almost like chalk and cheese in terms of how the church lived their lives to how everybody else lived their life, to how the church responded to how everybody else responded, to how the church reacted to how everybody else reacted. It was one of the most fascinating factors of the early church which people would see within them and I believe if we are to be the church there needs to be a difference in us compared to the world. We no longer conform to the patterns of this world but we live a radical life for Jesus Christ. In fact, in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Verse two to three, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he's talking about the Macedonian church and he basically says, in the midst of a very severe trial, times were tough. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in holding everything they had, welled up in protecting and squeezing everything they owned no, in a time of severe trial and extreme poverty, what did it well up in? Rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. The rich generosity didn't well from a rich place, it actually came from a, uh, a, an impoverished place. But yet so the spirit of God was so in that church at that time, so contrasting to the world that they acted differently. Let me tell you this, you don't have to be rich in money to be generous. I'm sure all of you would have encountered some of the poorest people you've ever met to be sometimes some of the most generous. You don't have to be rich in money to be generous, but you do have to be rich in spirit to be generous, and that is what we are talking about. This year, we are really focusing on it as well. We're really talking to our soul and our spirit and the character and the health of us as a church and the health of us as spiritual beings, and we cannot just ignore the impact of an open heart and a generous spirit that is within you because the richness in spirit which is, above all things, literally changes your whole life. When there is a richness in spirit, it changes everything. There is something about the world of the generous that gets larger and larger. And there is something about the world of the stingy that seems to shrink people's worlds. That is a proverb from Solomon who was regarded as the wisest man who's ever lived and a collection of his thoughts are found through the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And I believe and I agree with that wisdom because I've seen it firsthand that those who live generous in spirit, their world does get larger and larger. But yet the world of the stingy does seem to shrink and get smaller and smaller. A couple of weeks ago, we've got got some good friends, me and Abs, uh, they're friends of our boys who go to school. And um, they're not Christians. Uh, In fact, they are Sikhs. And they become good friends to me and Abs. And one Sunday, we were going home, and we stopped by their house. And we only stopped by to collect our son, who was Jay, who had been there. He had had a football match and so was there. And so we went to collect him, It's impossible to go to their house and just collect our son. Like Collecting our son also involves, we have to go in and we have to be offered about five different drinks, six different options of food, a sofa to sit on. There there is just a richness in their generosity. And it is so evident and it is so noticeable And what I find fascinating as well is that they have a big world. I, they have a big world, and I'm not just talking about a big car and a big house and a big business. I'm just talking about their world just has a largeness to it. When you speak to them, they're not speaking on tiny little, you know, you know someone next door didn't take their bin out, and so I got, I got my bin, and I'm going to go to that bin. No, they're not talking about who got the bin and who didn't get the bin. They're not talking about who's parked in front of the house. They're talk, there's a largeness in their conversation. Because their world has got larger and larger. And you might think, well, they're not followers of Jesus. I believe these principles, lots of people who don't even follow Jesus, still outwork the spirit of generosity. Because they see the benefit and they see the supernatural nature of largeness that comes to your world when you live with that open hand. There is nothing about them that feels small or restricted or claustrophobic. And so what is generosity? Generosity is the readiness to give more of something, especially money, but not exclusively money, than is strictly necessary or expected. The readiness to give more of something. Here's my definition of money. I'm going to tell you what I think it is. I think the definition of generosity, not money, excuse me, the definition of generosity is my ability to do something with what I have that adds significant value to somebody's experience. My ability to do something with what I have that adds significant value to somebody's experience. This is not only money. You can give somebody a generous welcome. You can give somebody a generous gift. You can give somebody a generous gesture. You can give someone a generous thought. You can give someone a generous act. You can give someone, like someone brought to our house last night, Matt Harrison or some of our friends, they brought us a lemon meringue pie at 7 p.m. No questions asked. They just came and delivered a lemon meringue pie. Glory to God. (laughs) And their world will get larger. And it was one of the best lemon meringue pies I've ever had. Just letting that out there in case anyone wants to compete with that, you know. <laughs> and so generosity isn't simply cash. Cash is a part of it. But it's generous with our whole lives. Generous in our response. Generous in our gratitude and our thanks, generous in our words. You know, Johnny and Kalani this week posted, it was official on their Instagram that they're having a baby. It's not, how many of you know, how many of you know it wasn't official when they had the scan? (laughs) It was official when it went on social media. (laughs) Hundreds of us comments. Why? Because there is a generous Response from friends and family to go amazing, so good, boom, boom, boom. But let's not just do that when we have great news like that. Imagine if that generous culture, that encouraging culture was across our whole church. How many of you have thanked our worship leaders for leading us in worship? How many of you have thanked our production team, our host team? How many of you thanked our kids' workers for investing into our kids or our youth workers? For that? There's a, a generous spirit That will only enlarge your world. It will never shrink it. You know, I met a few years ago with someone who I considered to be a generous person, and I went to them on purpose. I said, "Look, I want to talk to you because I wanted to be open and I wanted to be accountable because I felt like I was kind of being held around a certain mindset around money." I've I've kind of always tried to be generous and. I've kind of always outlived that, and I might share about that in a moment, but I just felt there was a few things where I found kind of like in a little bit of a stronghold when it came to money. So I wanted to be open and accountable, and I wanted to learn from this person. And so my upbringing, I was brought up by my parents. My parents were pastors, and my dad was an accountant. (laughs) I mean, that's a bad combo. Right. he was a pastor and he was an accountant my dad used to have a phrase, we'd hear it every week look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves okay? and so my dad literally and still would do this now if he sees a one penny on the street on the pavement, my dad no shame, he's not bothered if he's in front of Harvey Nicks in the centre of Leeds my dad will bend down pick up that penny and put it in his pocket <laughs> He's been doing it for years. And so I'd be with my dad, and be like, oh, so embarrassed as I was walking around. If there's a fiver, that's a different story. (laughs) It's 50 P's a different story. (laughs) I don't know how low do you go? (laughs) So I was brought up like that. I had a great upbringing. My parents were very generous. And so they weren't weren't stingy at all, but I think I just had these kind of like strongholds. And when I met this person, I, I went, As I was leaving, I discovered something from my own time with this person. And I discovered this. Stinginess. Stinginess is really rooted in fear. Stinginess, withholding, the root of that is actually fear. There is a fear that if I give away... I will never have enough. And so because I'm fearful of that, I withhold. The strange thing is, you end up often not having enough (laughs) because of that fear. Generosity, however, I left, was realised this is rooted in faith. Generosity is rooted in faith, a trust. A faith that says if I give away, I have a faith and a trust that I will always have more than enough. So if I buy you a pay, if I pay for the burger, if I give you a gift, if I am generous with my thoughts, if I'm generous in my invitation. I don't have to have a fear that I won't have enough. I always have faith, guess what? That I will have more than enough. That Jehovah Jireh is in fact my provider. And that as I give, as I give, I open my life to receive. But if I live in fear, I hold on to my seed and then wonder why I have nothing to reap hold on to my seed out of fear and I wonder why is there no harvest to reap rather than living in faith, scattering seed, understanding and faith and trust that I'll always have more than enough. And I might not have more than enough now, but I tell you what, when that seed begins to harvest, I'll have something to reap. You see, sowing and reaping is biblical, You can't deny that. But sowing and reaping is also a cause of nature. If you sow a seed, hey, guess what? You will reap a plant. If you sow, if you sow gossip, the chances are you'll reap gossip back. If you sow hurt into people's lives, the chances are you'll reap hurt back. If you sow arguments, the chances are you'll reap arguments back. It's like, it's just, you know, it's, it, I think kids realise it from an early age. If I punch you, I'm probably going to get punched back. (laughs) Sowing and reaping. And sure, you can win the lottery. Anybody win the lottery this week? Sure, you can receive a big inheritance. Sure, you can have gold fall from the sky. But I encourage you, church, never despise or never neglect proven biblical principles that have lasted the test of time. (laughs) That as we sow, as we are generous, as we refresh others, guess what? We ourselves will be refreshed. The Bible says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but who who sows generously, guess what? Will also reap generously. Why? Because you can't withdraw where you haven't invested. Don't expect to make a withdrawal where you haven't invested. Because the mindset in the world, the mindset in our culture is I am number one, I need to protect me, this is about myself and I need to make sure I'm good before everybody else is good. And let me tell you, it is hurting a whole generation. And we have a responsibility to talk about this in church and to create a new culture with disciples who model the life of Jesus, who spent his life giving what he had to add value into people's life. And guess what? It always exceeded expectation. We all like to receive, but how many actually like to give? And there is nothing about the character and there is nothing about the nature of God that withholds. God always gives freely. So the size of your world is not dependent on the size of your assets, but on the size of your heart. The size of your world is dependent upon the size of your heart. There are plenty of people who live in a big house in a very small world. There are plenty of people who live in a big house in a very small world because your world of opportunity, your world of influence, your world of relationships, your world of satisfaction, your world of favor, and I believe your world of blessing, I tell you what, that is a heart issue more than it is a possession issue. comes from the heart. And generosity, if we're honest, let's be truthful, it is a heart issue. For where your treasure is, guess what it says? There your heart will be also. My heart follows what I truly value. If I truly value that, no surprise, my heart will follow that. If my heart follows that, no surprise. If my treasure will follow my heart, the treasure will And your heart are linked. You'll find them in the same place. And as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus. And you want to live in accordance with the word of God. I believe believe giving to God is the start of generosity. I say the start of generosity. I say give to God. Notice the word I use there because I don't actually think you can be generous to God. And you might think, what do I mean by that? I don't I'm not sure how I can be generous to God. How can I be generous to someone who owns what I'm actually giving back? Okay. If you give me a hundred pounds or you blessed me with a 100 pounds and I received that from you, I'm not sure how generous it is of me (laughs) to, to give that back to you when you've already blessed me with that. I'm simply giving back to you what you already own. And so if God owns it, and if he is the giver of what the Bible says, all things, if he owns it, if he gives it to me, when I give to God, I believe I'm simply returning the blessing. I'm simply returning his blessing to me so that that blessing can now bless others. Now you might think, well, when I go to work, that's not God's money, that's my money. I would... I would say, who's given you the skills? Who's given you the gift? Who's given you the capacity? Who's given you the breath in the lungs? Who's given you the opportunity? Who's given you the favor? Who's given you the promotion? Who's given you you that? Now, you can argue, you can argue, my 10 years doctor training gave me that. (laughs) My four years at uni gave me that. And I don't understand, you've played a massive role, but my, my world of faith and my understanding of God is that God gives me the breath of life. God has given me my gifts. God has given me my talents. God has given me my abilities. So sure, if I disown God, if I walk away from God, I can can still work in employment. I could probably still be successful. But I still believe it was God who gave me the ability to do that. So if I believe God has given me the ability to do that, I'm simply returning his blessing to me so that that blessing can now bless others. You see, God's method of blessing is often through his people. What does the Bible say in Genesis 12 for Abraham? It says, all peoples will be blessed through you. God says to Abraham that the blessing, all peoples will be blessed, who? through you and so don't underestimate the blessing of God that comes what through you you see God blesses us with his resource so that we can enjoy his blessing firstly let me tell you that there's nothing wrong with enjoying his blessing enjoy the blessing of God you don't have to be stingy to yourself you can also be generous to yourself I know some people who are very generous to everybody but stingy to themselves. I think God is cool with you being generous with others and generous with yourself. Be generous to yourself. Enjoy the blessing of God. I believe God blesses us with his resource so that we can enjoy it and bless others. Whoever refreshes others, what did we read, will be refreshed. Basically, God will continue to refresh. God will continue to refill. God will continue to restore those who are the refreshers in his kingdom. And if you struggle to believe God is the giver of all things, you will struggle to give freely. If you think God withholds, you will also withhold. But if I believe God is the giver of all things, guess what? I will begin to live and give freely because we don't give for blessing. This is important. We give from blessing. I don't give for blessing, but I give from. It's different. You see, when I give to God, I give personally, I give through his local church. That is this church. And I believe that is biblical. I believe that is biblical in the Old Testament. The Bible says that, you know, give to the priests and the temple and tithes and offerings were collected and they were then distributed and and to the people. And I also believe giving through his local church is biblical in the New Testament. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul instructed the church in Corinth on the first day of the week, put your money aside, put a portion of your money aside to be collected and we will collect it and then distribute it and use it for the good work of the kingdom. And so this is Old Testament and New Testament. Now you might ask me about tithing. I'm coming there in one minute. I've tithed since I was five. My dad, when he used to give me pocket money, when he started at the age of five, he'd give me a pound, 10p would be tithed. A tithe simply is 10%. And so when I was six, my pocket money went up to £1.20. That's, that's good inflation. <laughs> Take that, Chancellor of the Exchequer. And so my, my tithe goes from what, 10p to 12p. I'm now 41 years old tithing for me is simply a continuation of what I've been doing since I was five which started off with 12p and is now considerably more than that because of how the journey I've been on in terms of God's blessing to me but also because I believe in the principle of that now if my income goes up my tithe would go if my income goes down my tithe would probably also go down because I've committed to the principle of giving God a tithe now here's what I would say and this might get some of you thinking the more I've lived I was brought up to believe tithing fundamental like (laughs) non-negotiable like if you don't tithe I was kind of brought up maybe to think that. A bit more mature now, a bit more understanding of Scripture and I think my relationship with God. If I'm honest with you, I struggle to find New Testament theology that really, 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 really backs up the Old Testament tithe to the same level. I know some people say, yeah, but Jesus says, don't neglect the form without doing the latter. And so Jesus said, continue to tithe. I believe that in that Scripture. But the Old Testament is is consistent in terms of the tenth, the tithe, cutting your fields, leaving the ten percent margin that would then go, or it, it's you know, tithing to Melchizedek, it, it's it's right from you know, like Genesis right to the end of the minor prophets, like you can't underestimate the tithe in the old testament, but in the new testament, if we're honest, like I can't put it, the, the word tithe kind of goes a little bit quiet kind of goes a little bit quiet and you you can then begin to wonder as a result or maybe it's not needed anymore maybe it's not essential maybe like it was just an old testament thing so when jesus said it is finished maybe he meant giving's finished too praise god hallelujah <laughs> here's, here's what i believe i believe 10 percent, call it the tithe or whatever you want to call it, the tithe I still believe is the best biblical principle the best biblical foundation and the best biblical starting point for me to live a generous life I believe it is the best biblical principle foundation and starting point for me to live a generous life in the Old Testament it is something I have to do in the New Testament it is something I want to do In the old testament, it's kind of part of the law because I have to, but in the new testament, it's about grace, it's because I want to give. That's why Paul says, excel in the grace of giving. You see, tithing is not a salvation issue. People, you will, it's not, it will not stop you getting into heaven. I don't believe God won't heal you. I don't believe God won't bless you. I don't believe God won't anoint you. I don't believe God won't forgive you. I don't believe God won't do any of that if you don't tithe. I struggle to believe that and I disagree with that. But I do believe tithing, giving up the 10% to God becomes generosity as a lifestyle. And I can then testify to the supernatural grace of God to that. You see, in fact, in the New Testament, it's almost like the tithe is the base. It's like, no, it, it's a lot more than that. The Bible says in the early church, they gave everything they had. <laughs> like, it was just all. The Old Testament talks about, you know what, don't commit adultery. Jesus says, don't even look at somebody <laughs> and commit adultery in your eye. It's almost like it even goes further. It's almost like Jesus is saying, like, tithe, yeah, that, of course, that's just the basic. We're way beyond the 10% now. We're way beyond that. We're living in a, in a grace zone. We're living in a generosity zone that goes way beyond simply a percentage of what I have to do. We're now living in a world of the generous of what I want to do. And I can't always explain it. I can't always explain the blessing and the supernatural grace of God. But like Malachi 3 says, test me in this. And if I'm honest, the Bible says to Malachi, test. You know, Malachi says, test God in this. But if I'm honest, it's been more of a test in me than it is in God because God time and time again proves that He is faithful and generous to me. The test is more in me. Can I prove to be faithful? Can I prove to continue to be generous? bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that what? There may be food in my house. And that is Old Testament, but we still have a responsibility, the house of God to bring food to the house so that we can have spiritual nourishment and encouragement and blessing and equipment and equipping. And I believe the church has a responsibility to what? Give this city some food. Give our church food. We give that We give that practically. Like Stu said, we like food. We've got a lot of food in this church. We're always giving food. Kitchen's being used all the time. We're always helping people with food. But beyond that, there is some spiritual food. There is nourishment, equipping, encouragement and blessing. It is why I find it fascinating when people want to eat from the house but don't want or feel the need to ever provide anything to the house i am quiet now. It's like being a student. When I used to live five minutes up the road on Cardigan Road living with my five housemates, I would open my cupboard. I've just been to Morrison's in the morning. My pot noodles, gone. Super noodles, nowhere to be found. 6P, savor baked beans, gone. My student friends had the ability to eat my food and never contribute any food. I don't mind if you want to eat my super noodles, if I can then go to your cupboard and eat your super noodles. But there seems something a little unfair that I keep providing the food for everyone in the house and yet you're enjoying the benefits of it, but I'm the only one who continues to contribute towards it. But do you know what I did as a student? I never raised it once. Internally, I was a bit like, Ur. I went to Morrison's, bought some more super noodles. Why? Because the world of the generous will get larger and larger. And whether you give or you don't give, we will keep providing food. Whatever your heart is and, and your response to it, I'm, you know what? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. And so, me as a pastor, I don't know what anyone gives in this church. I don't see any reports I don't look and go mm, 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 tick, fives up no. I'm not like Santa <laughs> I don't want to know why because I don't want my heart to change towards people based on what they do do or what they don't do but I do believe if we're eating from the table it's good how many of you know to contribute to the table to <laughs> so expect God to fulfill kingdom work without contributing kingdom finance. That's like expecting like, that's like expecting healthcare (laughs) and I want the schools open and I want the police to protect me but I don't want to give anything towards that. Kind of sounds a bit like society which is why the church is different to that see the difference with giving and a government tax is a tax is what you have to do but I give by choice and it is the world of the stingy that leads to smallness you know some people say to me Dave can I ask you you know when you give in church do you give net or gross? what net or gross? do you give net or do you give gross? I always kind of giggle when I ask the question I'm like that's my response like the emoji and my response is, I, I just want to give God as much as I can. I'm not looking for ways to like, you know, make it as small as I can. I'm looking for ways to give as much as I can. And so I've always given out of the gross income of what I've had. And sometimes I've been blessed by it and sometimes, guess what? I've not been blessed by it. Sometimes I've had more than enough and sometimes it's been tight, but it's a decision I've made. Why? Because I want to live live open-handed. I want to get free and I'm not going to go 6%, 9%. No, God, I'd give you everything if I could. I'd give you everything if I could. And of course, you can give to other kingdoms' causes. You can give to amazing kingdoms' causes. And I encourage you, and maybe some of you already give to other charities, and i we would never stop that or rebuke that or correct that. I think that is a good thing. I do that myself. But there's a difference between giving a, to a charity that you give to and a family that you belong to. So when I give to the house of God, I'm giving to Family. And the New Testament is clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 to 12. Look at what it says here. Got a couple of minutes left then I'm finishing. 2 Corinthians 9. It says, Each of you should give. Look what it says. What you have what? Decided. This isn't anything that I'm telling you to do or whatever. This is a personal decision. What you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. And God then is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all, th- in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply, what does it say? And increase your store of fruit seed and will enlarge, look at that word, the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. For this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing out of the church in many expressions of thanks to God. And so I decide I give to God, but I am generous to others. I give to God and I am generous to others. And if you think you will give when you have more, let me tell you, you won't. Because <laughs> giving precedes wealth. The Bible says a generous person will prosper. It doesn't say a prosperous person will be generous. And So look for opportunities to be generous. The jars of oil the lady had, when the jars stopped, the oil stopped. I've got to keep finding ways. I've got to keep finding jars because God can't refill what is not there. But when I trust that the Lord is my shepherd and I know I lack nothing because my God is a cup that runneth over. How many of you know you serve a God who is runneth over? So if I buy the coffee, if I pay for the lunch, if I drive you home without asking for petrol money, it's, it's, uh, let me just put my calculator out. I've taken you from North Church to Armley. It's, uh, it's 0.8 miles and the cost of petrol's gone up slightly this week. So let me... Think that'll be £1.12 please now you can either give me cash or direct bank transfer I also take PayPal (laughs) drive them to Armley and don't ask for a penny be generous to others (laughs) call me old school but I can't deny the fact that God blesses the generous heart call me old school but I do believe he opens the windows of heaven and pours down a blessing until I can't contain it. Malachi chapter three. Call me old school, but I do believe that give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over Luke six, chapter 30. Call me old school, but I do believe whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 19 verse 17. Call me old school, but I do believe that if we honor the Lord with our wealth and with our first fruits, then our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10. Call me old school, but I believe what the Bible says is what the Bible does. And I know it's not popular and I know it's kind of countercultural, but guess what? That's the church. And so this isn't about getting anything from you. This is about developing something within all of us that we give to God and we are generous to others. Why? Because the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger. I've got to close. But I'm going to encourage us to do something this month. Okay, I'm going to ask us to do something. We're talking about prayer this quarter and Alongside prayer, I think it's good to fast. And so I'm going to encourage you to choose sometime this month in February, F, February, fast, February, to fast sometime. It might be a lunch, for some of you it might be a day, for some of you it might be a week. That's personal to you. Personally, I'm going to choose to fast on Tuesdays, every Tuesday for the month of February. Okay, and so this Tuesday when I come to vision night and there's loads of warm, hot samosas on the side, if you see me me one, you can smash me on the face. Okay? I encourage you to fast at some point this month and pray alongside that fasting but here's what I want to do just to try something in our church and, and, and there's a little exercise for that month that Tuesdays throughout the month this is just to start small because we've got to start small for some of you in the room whatever my food bill would be for that Tuesday for that month I could save it and go to Nando's in March or Whatever my food will be for that Tuesday, and I might add more to this because it might be small, but whatever this is to you, I'm using an example. Say I normally spend, I don't know, eight pound every Tuesday on breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Eight, 16, 24, 32 pounds. Say me and Abs do it together, 64 pounds. What I'm gonna do, or what I'm encouraging us to do, is take that 64 pounds and find someone in our church and bless them. And I'm gonna go up to them and I'm going to be generous to them with something that I have. Now, here's what I'm saying: you could, you can do it outside the church if you want. You give to someone, but I'm encouraging you to do it. The Bible says be generous to the people inside the house of God as well. And I want to see this practiced amongst us. And so, for some of people, it might it might be, you know, if you eat if you eat beans on toast every Tuesday, <laughs> and that's all you have, it might be two pound fifty that you give him. Start somewhere. Some of you might want to add to that. But what I'm asking is by the, some point in this month, all of us get involved in giving something to somebody or a family or a person in our church. And you can write a card with it if you want. If you want to give it anonymously, you can. But I think there's something about, hey, I'm, I'm giving this to you and I want you to be blessed. And so wherever that finds you today, if you're there resisting that, that's fine. I, no problem but I'm encouraging you this month think of when you can fast add prayer to that and then decide to use some finance to give to others to be generous to others now you might get to the end of the month and no one's given anything to you and you've given stuff to others okay that's fine don't get a bad heart about that (laughs) don't think God's not blessing me just you take the lead take the lead and give And I think it'll be cool to see what it does in our church. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to close.